0: I don't know whether you can remember the last time you were really, really thirsty, when you were really, really thirsty. And The only thing you could think about was when you get your thirst quenched. You know, where you're going to get that drink from, and and you consider drinking absolutely anything. And when and when I was when I was younger, um, these were some of the things that we considered drinking. So um, Cresta, who remembers Cresta? Yeah. The polar bear. Oh that was that was terrible. And if you were if you were really, really unlucky, you didn't get Cresta, you got the next one. Roller Cola. Oh. <laughs> if you if you were a little bit more upmarket, you may have got this one. Corona. But this this is my absolute favorite. And for those of you, for those of you that um at 35 years or under pop used to be delivered in vans oh to your house <laughs> up your drive by this guy the alpine pop man what a dude he was what a dude he used to come he'd pull he into the bus stop outside my mum's house and if I was really nifty from school he'd still be there if I wasn't you have to trust your parents to get the pop in and that was always went terribly wrong and um and so I, I used to be um, really into football when I was growing up, and I'd be playing all the time, and, and I'd come back into the house really, really, really thirsty and sweaty and hot and red, and, and I'd be like, mom, 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 give us a drink, give us a drink, give us a drink. And, um, and before she corrected my English, um, she'd go, I've only got cherryade." I don't like cherryade, And she did what all mom, good moms do. She'd say, well, you're not really that thirsty then, are you? And then other times, I'd run in, and I'd be going, Mom, Mom, kiss that cherry egg, kiss that cherry egg. I'd be absolutely drenched and sweating and, and really, really wanting it. And, um, or would I just come back and go, isn't there anything else? Isn't there anything else? And I don't know whether you've noticed, but there's been a real upsurge, hasn't there in people carrying these water bottles around to them everywhere? Um, you know, H2O, hi-ho, I saw one today um, in a meeting I was in, and we're encouraged to drink, aren't we? Water all the time, about two to three liters probably a day, um, is the healthy thing, so I'm told. And and we're trying to obey our thirst, aren't we? We're trying to obey our thirst, and we try. Well, physically speaking, we are. Physically speaking, we are. And even if you look at the search for life on other planets, it's all about the search for water, isn't it? Um, the finding of water, because that's the indicator. That's the life indicator. But what about spiritually? What about spiritually? And you know, there was a time in the Bible when um, there was an abundance of water standing right in the middle of where a group of people were, and they were dying of thirst. And in fact, it was a flowing waterfall. But before we read that story, I want you to remember that Jesus had already had a conversation about water, hadn't he? With the woman at the well, a few chapters before, a one-on-one And use the analogy, if you drink this well water, I can guarantee you you will get thirsty again. But if you drink the water I'm carrying, then you'll never thirst. And then here a few chapters later, we see Jesus in the temple, don't we, um, at the feast, having a similar conversation, but this time with thousands of people, with thousands of people. And it was the Feast of Tabernacles. And I don't know whether you know how that worked or or if it were there right now, you know, what it would look like. But basically, it was one of three festivals um, where males had to attend. Men had to go. And there'd be thousands of people. And the weird thing was, and I've tried to pitch this in my head, in their left hand, they'd be holding citrus fruit, okay? And branches in their right hand. And the citrus fruit would would be representative of the promised land, full of provision. That would be a reminder of them, a remembrance of them. And then in their right hand, the branches would remind them of the different stages in the wilderness of the shelters that they'd built. So you've got grapefruit and branches, or lemons, or, or whatever um, citrus fruit they wanted to take, I suppose. And the first and the last day were the Sabbath days, but the eighth day was the grand finale. It was the day of, of all days, you know, it was the great celebration. But every day during that feast, the priest would take a golden pitcher. And he'd walk from the Temple Mount into Jerusalem. And loads of people would follow him. Loads of people would follow him. And they'd go to the Pool of Siloam. And he'd fill the pitcher with water. And he'd walk back up and he'd pour the water out onto the altar. The whole thing. And the trumpet would sound three times. And the people would cry out pieces of scripture, normally from Isaiah. And every day this would happen. Until the eighth day. Until the last day. When the priest would walk around the altar seven times. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Seven times around the altar. And then the priest would come up and the crowd would hush and start to mumble a bit and, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And he'd pour the water out. And that was the Feast of Tabernacles. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them about the greatest feast or the greatest festival you've ever been to. It should come back into. Right there, the greatest feast or the greatest festival you've ever been to. Just talk to the person next and just tell them what it was. It could have been a great meal you went out to at a mate's house. It could be, I don't know, a restaurant. It could be Glastonbury. It could be, I don't know, a gig that you went to. It's the best festival that you went to. <laughs> Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. That's what it would have been like. That's what it would have been like. When Jesus stood up with no PA, no microphone, and he said the verses that we're going to read now in John 7, 37 and 38. And he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Can you just imagine what that would have been like? For seven days, those priests have walked backwards and forwards, tipping water out, remembering. And then Jesus shouts, what are you doing? If you read earlier in the chapter, and I haven't got time to go into this, um, there's a little verse in the first bit bit of the story when he sends his disciples up, and it looks like Jesus isn't going to go. And the verse says, but then privately he went up. They weren't expecting him. And yet he pitches up in the temple and he yells out, Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. He made a claim. Actually, no, he made a promise. He made a promise. So just imagine, here you are celebrating your ancestors, the grace and the glory and the mercy of God, honoring them. And Jesus is saying, here I am, a waterfall for you that will never run dry. Do you know what? And We can probably quote these verses off by heart. And we think we understand what Jesus is saying. And most of us, if not all of us in this room, would say, this is truth. This is truth. I believe this. But then you see, I have to ask myself a question. To what extent is this true of me? To what extent is this true of me? Flowing rivers of living water. And I tell you, in the last couple of weeks, I've found this to be the most convicting and hope-producing question I think I've asked myself. It's convicting because none of us, if we're honest, can say, I've got this nailed. That's exactly how my life's been since I've become a Christian. Rivers have flown through me. Rivers. Never stopping. Never ceasing. If I'm being really honest and transparent with you, I would have to tell you it's like this there's usually been a trickle of living water. Although I have to tell you, there have been some significant drought periods in my life where even that trickle's dried up. And I I can say that occasionally, there's been the start of a stream, but ever-flowing abundant rivers, and that's a plural word, that would be quite a stretch for me to describe my life to you like that. And the truth is that even though I believe that verse with all my heart and I can quote it and quote it and quote it and quote it, I can still stand before you and say, do you know what? I can be dehydrated. I can be absolutely dehydrated. And Jesus still has to shout across the noise of my world. The same way that he had to shout across those thousands of people that were murmuring and chatting, he still has to shout across the noise of my world. And do you know what dehydration does? It affects the way I think and it affects the way I react. And there's a process to true dehydration and the first bit is this, eudypsia, the scientific word. And this is your normal everyday thirst. This is, you know, I just feel like I need to have a drink. My mouth's a bit dry, need to moisten my lips a bit, need to grab a bit of water. And this is where Jesus' promise starts. If anyone thirsts. We always begin here, don't we? We always begin here. We won't drink unless we acknowledge we're thirsty. I have a need. I can't fulfill myself. So I take a drink. But if I don't take a drink, then stage two kicks in. And stage two is hyperdipsia. And this is a really intense but temporary, intense but temporary bouts of extreme thirst. I really need a drink. So I've gone from I could do with a drink to I really need a drink. But if I still don't take on water... I get to stage three, which is polydipsia. And this is like a sustained, intense craving. You know, this is where I'll drink anything. Cherry aid, I'll have anything. Cream soda. Drink of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Only closely matched by Dr. Pepper, let me say. <laughs> oh, see. Well, I've lost the crowd now. <laughs> This is where polydipsy is where you'd look at the sea and even though you know it's salty you'd still want to drink you'd still be tempted to drink and if you look at our world just think of all the different wells people are willing to drink from to satisfy their thirst knowing knowing it'll poison their body knowing knowing it's toxic to them and yet they'll still drink I was in a meeting today. Um, every month I have to go to a meeting that's to do with exploitation and um, and it's like an all-day meeting and, and I was so, honestly, so glad it was encountered tonight. But do you know when you think you've heard everything and y- you think that you, you couldn't hear anything that's sadder or more heartbreaking? And, and I heard a story today and do you know what? It typifies polydipsia where this young girl of 12... Is so broken that she'll drink anywhere, and drink anything, knowing and articulating at 12 years old that she knows it's harming her and it's poisonous to her. I'm thinking, oh Jesus. And these are just the ones we know about. And there's this thing on social media at the moment. Don't we throw this thing called thirst trap? The thirst trap, what it is, it's where you show a video or you share a picture of yourself that's supposed to make somebody else thirsty for you. Thirsty for you. See so it could be a picture of somebody's abs. Or the six pack. Or some young girl in something that's flirtatious or sexy. And it goes on and I'll leave it there. It's called the thirst trap. The reality is that though that's been birthed from a selfie culture, the reality is that that's a thirst for attention. It's a thirst for something else. But here's the thing. There's a great quote going to come up from Max Lucaido and it says this, false fountains pacify our cravings with sugary swallows of pleasure. False fountains pacify our cravings with sugary swallows of pleasure. Now, before we get a little bit too down on this, remember I said that question and asked myself about the extent of, of living waters, about that it was convicting. I said it was also hope-producing. He's the hope-producing bit. If my life doesn't match Jesus' description right now, it can. If your life doesn't match Jesus' description tonight, right now, it can. But there's a condition to that promise. I haven't just got to be thirsty, I've got to be thirsty for God. I haven't just got to have thirst, I've got to have thirst for God. So we're thirsty, but then we have to come. I have to make a decision with my will. I have to cooperate. I have to do something about my thirst. I can keep complaining about how I feel. I can keep complaining about how stressful my job is. I can keep complaining that I have no time for anything. I can keep complaining that I'm so busy. I can keep complaining that my life is draining me. Or I can come. That didn't benefit you at all, did it? It's a personal thing. I can't drink on behalf of you. I can hang around people that are drinking. I can even go to places where they serve. But if I don't drink, You know, Jesus didn't say, did he keep digging, and eventually you'll hit the water table. And if you're really lucky, Jane, you might hit a bit, of, a bit of damp sand. Give that a suck. He's right there. He's right there. You know, and it wouldn't be anything prophetic of me to say tonight that people here have a firm faith. You've come to the waterfall, I've come to the waterfall, I've come to the fountain, and I've taken a drink that's real, that's changed my life. I've become a follower of Jesus, so have you. But you could stay and I could stay, what I would term a gulper. Which is where you're just storing up this water, gulping it down. You could be coming to every meeting that we put on and gulping down this water and and it's feeding your body. But the truth is that water will just stagnate. It will stagnate. You're not meant to be a reservoir. We're meant to be a river. And we need a flowing faith, not a firm one. Not just a firm one. You need to become a geezer, not a gulper. How do I make other people thirsty for the things of God. I have to make my life attractive. I have to let this out. Once he's flowed to me, he has to flow through me. And this really, really came home um, a couple of weeks ago when we had the iGrow conference. And um, and Russ had gone, he'd gone to set up, he was playing on the evening here and he'd left me at home and I was sorting myself out and stuff and um, I came into the hallway and I could hear dripping and um, and at first I thought it was rain and, and I looked in the hall and there was water pouring through the light fitting in the ceiling, it was literally pouring down and um, I did what all girls do, panicked. <laughs> no, I did panic and... Um, in my head, it was like, the ceiling's going to come down, you know, it's, it's all going to come crashing down top of me, it's going to be going washing down the, down the stairs, I'd catastrophized it really, I'd gone from water coming, and it, it was all over, and I was ringing Russ, and of course he wasn't picking up, he was setting up, he'd been playing, and I'd left him a voice message, <laughs> a voice yell really, rather than a voice message, you've got to come home, there's water pouring through the Um, And then I thought, why don't I just find the stopcock? (laughs) So just standing here looking at it, pouring through the ceiling. Um, But then uh, I had to try and remember where it was. Um, (laughs) Lesson to everybody here, find the stopcock in your house. You never know when you're going to need it. Um, And so I I, I sort of assumed it would be near a sink. (laughs) Um, So I found the stopcock and I turned it off and... um, and then I realised I hadn't stocked up any water anywhere, so I had to turn it back on again and let it pour. And So eventually I, had to, I, I couldn't leave, I couldn't come out, so I had to wait for Russ to come back anyway. Um, um, Russ had obviously heard the messages and, and he'd come home and um, he was really calm. And I was getting really annoyed because he was really calm. <laughs> and uh, and he said, stop dripping, because i turned it off and... And he was saying, it'll be all right. And I was, I was getting so stressy and so stroppy. And he was like, will you stop having a go at me? And I was like, I'm not having a go. At, why do we say this? I'm not having a go at you. I'm just having a go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was, I was proper going for it. And, and, um, and I was like, we need to get somebody out. We need to get somebody out. And Russ is saying, no, I'll have a look. I'm like, no, we need to get somebody out. <laughs> um, so we turn it off. And and he says to me, he said, he said, I can fix this. And he knows this, so I'm sharing this, so I'm not embarrassing him. He says, I can fix this. So <laughs> and, um, so he says, I'll take the bath panel off and just see what's going on underneath. And so I'm downstairs. And I'm, honestly, to my shame, I'm like this, going, please don't touch it. And inside of me, I'm going, you can draw it, you can paint it, just don't touch it. Just don't make it any worse. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. And um, he says, turn it on, and I'll see where it is. So I turn the stop on, and, he, and I could hear him shouting, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. So I'm turning it off, and he's like, I've seen it, I've seen it. He said, um, he's, "He's just coming out of a connection thing. Um, he, said, uh, he said, I can do this. And inside of me, I'm still going, please get somebody out. Please get somebody out. And um, and the truth is, a connection had just come apart and he just needs scream back on. And he did fix it. Thank you. <laughs> And, and, the, and the truth is, the, the truth is, it's our wedding anniversary tomorrow. And after 26 years, he's done some DIY. <laughs> and, and I now have a list. But, um, <laughs> but, but the learning from this was huge for me, and God really spoke to me uh, about this rivers of, of living water, because it was a loose connection, but it was loose enough to let the water flow out instead of letting the water flow through. And I said to God, I didn't really need another sermon illustration. You could just have told me this that I'm going to share with you now. And this is truth. And God said to me, Jane, but then it'd just be a story, wouldn't it? And you'd be going to people, imagine you've got water pouring through your ceiling. But now you've learned something. And what did I learn? What have I learned is this. Number one is, everything is not a disaster. Just because one thing isn't right, doesn't mean everything is wrong. And that's for somebody here tonight. Just because one thing isn't right, doesn't mean everything is wrong. And we're going to pray tonight, and if, if, that's, if that's you and you're feeling that, and you like me and you catastrophize everything, I would love to pray for you. The second thing I learned is this. There's nothing wrong with the flow of water. There's never anything wrong with the flow of water. The problem was the carrier, the conduit, the connection. The source is always there. It just needed reattaching and Tightening. And I think in could be the space tonight. The flow is there. We felt it already. The river is there. We felt it already. There's nothing wrong with the source. Why don't you be brave enough and let the whole thing turn on and see if there's any loose connections in your life tonight? Where something is flowing out instead of flowing through. And all it could need is just a little reattach in. It may just be a little thing. But I get so worried it's gonna turn into a huge thing. And God said this to me. And we're gonna come and sing, and we're gonna pray. And God said this to me. Jane, truth the truth is with you, honey. Little leaks eventually lead to massive floods. Why don't you control it while it's a leak? It's less messy. Believe me. And it wasn't believe me, as in I'm telling you, believe. It was like, believe me. If you are thirsty, if you are thirsty, come. And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Control it while it's a leak. It's less messy. Or you may be feeling even a period of drought tonight. And you may know that actually, do you know what? You just need a good soaking. The river is here. Or maybe you know your river's a little bit like a trickle tonight. Jesus changes everything. And I was going to invite the band to come back up. And the truth is, guys, that Jesus said streams of living water. It's fresh water. It's new water. It's not old redistributed water that keeps going around your radiator system every day. It's fresh, it's clean, it's new. And just as we start to sing, I want you to be really brave tonight and I don't care if all of you come out <laughs> or stand in the aisle or... There's something beautiful in the refreshing of Jesus Christ, isn't there? It's the most beautiful, pure, empowering experience that we can even imagine why wouldn't we want it and you may never have stood under that waterfall before but he's right there right now here as that song says here now flowing Are you thirsty for God? Are you going to come? And then are you going to drink? And I'm going to ask us and invite us to stand. You may be dehydrated and know it. Come. You may be dehydrated and not know it. Come. You may have a little leak. Let's reconnect tonight. Come. You may never have come before. I really want to invite you to come. And be brave. And come and stand. And let just God wash over you and through you and to you so that where you are going in the morning, God can flow out from you. Living water into a world that needs it, into a world that is drinking from everything that is poisonous and toxic to them, because they're thirsty and they don't know where else to drink from. So when you're ready, just come. see what God wants to do.